Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. My guest today has been recognized as the world's number one executive coach and a top 10 business thinker for the past eight years by Thinkers 50. He's written or edited 41 books, including three New York Times bestselling ones. I am delighted to introduce my friend, my idol, Marshall Goldsmith. Marshall, thanks for joining me on the show today. Molly, thank you so much. You're a wonderful friend and a wonderful neighbor. You've a great one as well. Uh, Before we get started, I do want to offer listeners a very personal view of my friend Marshall. Um, You might see him very publicly, uh, and he's he's an amazing soul. Uh, But but three things really stand out for me. Number one is he is so at one with himself. He's truly, truly centered. He really, really has no stress. He knows where he, where he excels. He knows where he doesn't. He's very zen about that. Two is he is insanely present with you. When he's with you, he is with you. He's also able to identify when you need to let something go, and he can really point it out. You need to let it go. And I've always loved how he's able to, to nurture that in others. And the third thing, and probably most, um, most standout for him, is he's just he has the biggest heart. He's so generous. He genuinely wants to help others, to teach, to support. Um, He really chooses to focus on the positive and how to make things better. And that's been a great learning of mine um, from you, Marshall. So I thank you for that. Well, thank you so much. It's my honor to hang around with you. And as you know, I'm I'm in the process of, as we have this 100 coach group, which I love, and it's all based on Pay it forward, and we give each other everything, and the only price is you give it to somebody else. Yes, and you helped inspire this whole Say It Skillfully. It would not exist without you, and it was a small way for me to kind of put this out in the universe. Uh, Before we get to that, I do want to ask, because we're in these unique times, Marshall, and um, you've seen a lot in your lifetime, so I'd love for you to share with our listeners any thoughts you have about our our current pandemic and this world we're all trying to figure out. I've got two reflections. One is on the personal level, and then two is as a leader, what should you do? First, I'm going to just talk about you as a person. Um, Bill Carrier taught me this great phrase, uh, pragmatic optimism. So I think the first thing you have to do is face reality. This is real. It's tough. It's not going to go away. And the second thing you have to do is say, how can I make the best of it? And I'm kind of a philosophy student, and uh, The Gita is a great parable of India that is kind of a basis for Hindu philosophy, and it teaches you a couple of things. One is you never get fixated on the end results. You accept what is, you do your best, and you don't get fixated on the end results. And the power of the Gita has never been more obvious to me than it is right now. I mean, many people have bad end results through absolutely no fault of their own. And it's hard not to get personally identified with these results. And the important learning point of the Gita is you don't always control those results. And let me give an analogy. I'm not a golfer, but the guy I write books with, Mark Ryder, is a golfer. And he gave me this analogy. 
Imagine you hit a ball down the fairway and hit a perfect drive, and there's a rock in the middle of the fairway that shouldn't be there. Your ball hits the rock and then creams over to the rough where you have a terrible lie. Well, your first reaction is probably one of anger. What's the rock doing there? It's not fair. I had a beautiful drive. Then you walk toward the ball. The great golfer learns how to do one thing. You've got to forget the shot that went before, and you can't think about winning the tournament later. You have to focus on one thing, hit the shot in front of you. You've got to hit the shot in front of you. And if you look at life, that's a great way to look at life. I mean, it's easy to get fixated on all these disasters that have happened or crazy about what's going to happen. Ultimately, you need to hit the shot in front of you. And before you hit the shot, you have to have a strategy. So maybe you're two shots behind and you have to go for winning the tournament. Well, you're going to try to knock it over the tree and knock it on the green. I mean, you may fail, but what the heck? You don't care. You want to win. Let's say you're three shots ahead. Well, okay. You pitch it into the fairway. You get a bogey and you still win by two shots. Two shots. So your strategy is going to depend on what, which way you want to go. Once you pick the strategy, though, then you need to block everything else and hit the shot. Well, it's kind of the same thing is true for today. You need to, to the degree we all can, let go of the past. Let go of what's happened. Don't carry it around. And again, focus on what's my strategy? Where do I want to go from here? And the purpose of the Gita is you don't deny reality. You face the hard truth that exists and you make the best of it. Um, Our good friend, um, Harry Kramer, has a good saying. Somebody asked him, well, how can you lay people off and sleep at night? He said, it's very simple. You have to ask yourself two questions. Did I do what I think was right? And did I do my best? And if the answer is yes, I did what I thought was right. And I did my best. Go to sleep. Be at peace. That's all at any point in time you can ever do. Just do what you think is right and do your best and then make peace. And then as a leader, as a leader, Molly, I think very important that people have a sense of where am I going now? What's the shot I'm hitting right now? And there's a six question process I really recommend as a leader. You ask people six basic questions. Number one, where are we going? And by the way, I'll send you a copy of the article on this so you can give it to your listeners. But first question is, where are we going? The big picture. And you say, here's where I think we're going. And ask a person, where do you think we should be going? You want to have alignment. Then number two, where are you going? Here's where I see you and your part of the business going and ask, where do you think you, you should be going? Number three, doing well. Here's what I think you're doing well. And then what do you think you're doing well? Uh, it's a good question. What are you proud of? What do you think you're doing well? Because you might learn something. Number four, uh, suggestions for improvement. And we're going to talk about feed forward. I'm a great believer in look at the future, not the past. Say, as a leader, here's ideas I have for you moving forward. And then if you were the coach for you, what ideas would you have? Again, a dialogue. Then number five, how can, I, how can I help? As your manager, how can I help you? And then finally, number six, what ideas do you have for me? Six basic questions to make sure people are aligned. And then you really tell the person, look, we're going through a period of rapid change. If you ever feel a lack of clarity, if you ever feel ambiguity, you're overcommitted, I want you to immediately talk to me. And by the way, I'm going to go over where I think we're going and all the basics at any second in time, you need total clarity. Now, I've got to be honest with you. This may change next week. Given the rapid change that's going on right now, our strategy may change next week. We can't necessarily control that. 
at any second in time, I want you to have perfect clarity on, okay, what are the priorities? Where are we going? What's important? What's going well? What do we need to work on now? That really enables people to do, back to the golf analogy, just hit the shot in front of them. Just hit the shot in front of them and not get fixated on the past or fixated on the future. Help people really just maintain a sense of focus. And, and as Harry said, am I doing the right thing as best I know it? And am I doing my best? Which is existentially, that's all in life we can ever do. Thank you, Marshall. Such wise words. And I love the simplicity not necessarily easy for people to do, uh, but you have a way of getting to the essence. And I'm sure our listeners um, are anxiously awaiting when I share the uh, the article. So I will do that for folks. You um, you jumped ahead and, and this is something I've, um, one of the thousands of things I've learned from you, but you know, feedback can be hard to, to hear, to give. Um, you've had a lot of experience with it. So I'd love to hear um, some of the things that haven't, haven't worked. And then you've mentioned feed forward, which I think is uh, an amazing approach for people. Well, you know, when I, when I teach, uh, I'll talk about a couple of ways to do this. One is as a speaker or a teacher, which is a wonderful process. And two as a coach, uh, as a speaker or a teacher, I almost always use this feed forward exercise. And I have everybody pick one behavior they want to improve. And then, you know, I let them pick whatever they want. It could be, I want to be a better listener, or I want to give recognition, whatever it is. They just pick one. And then you have one-on-one dialogues with every person you can. And you say, you know, my name is, my name is Marshall. I want to be a better listener. Please give me one or two ideas for the future. And whatever you say, I say, thank you. You say, my, not, my name is Molly. I want to get better at recognition. Please give me ideas. And I give you ideas and you say, thank you. In Feed Forward, you're in two roles. Role one is everyone tries to learn as much as they can. And role two is everyone tries to help as much as they can. You're either learning or you're helping, both of which are good. And we have rules. One rule is no feedback about the past. And we spend too much time in our lives talking about the past. How many of us have been impressed by their husband, wife, or partner's near photographic memory of our previous sins, which seem to have been documented and will be shared with us in a repetitive way? You, know, you can't change the past anyway. So rule one is let it go. No, don't talk about the past. And rule two is you can't judge or critique ideas. Now, Molly, as you know, I'm a Buddhist. This is a Buddhist exercise. Buddha said, only do what I teach if it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, it's okay. Just don't do it. So when I ask you for ideas, I treat the ideas as a gift. And if someone gives me a gift, I don't say stinky gift or bad gift. I don't like your gift. What do you say? You just say thank you. If you want to use the gift, you use it. If you, you know, you, you uh, don't want to use the gift, put it in the closet. Or if you have the gift, just repackage it and give it to your cousin. Just say thank you. And people then at the end of the exercise, I have people talk to, I'll maybe do this for 10 or 15 minutes. I say, give me one word to describe the exercise. People invariably say it's positive, useful, helpful, or even fun. And fun is the last word you think to describe any feedback activity. I mean, has anyone ever called you on the phone and said, I have feedback I'd like to share with you. Come into my office. And you said, fun, fun, fun. Fun is the last word you think of. Yet people find this to be fun. I've done this with a group of six people. And I did this in November in St. Petersburg, Russia, with 50,000 people at once in a football stadium. So I've done it, and they loved it. So I've done this all around the world. I've done it with six people. I've done it with 50,000 people. I've done it in God knows how many countries. And people just love it. So that's kind of the essence of Feed Forward. And in coaching, 
my clients all get confidential feedback, which helps them understand what to improve. Feedback tells us where we are. Feed forward is in focus on where, how do I get to the next place? Moving forward, what's the future going to help? What, what in the future do I need to do to change? Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Golf clap. <laughs> and I love the golf analogy too, Marshall. That's brilliant. So um, I always like to ask my guests, even um, those who are at the pinnacle of uh, their uh, expertise um, and in their careers about any say it skillfully challenge you might have. Yeah, you know, um, and you, I'm sure you've seen me do this. Uh, I have several challenges. One of my challenges is I have a very odd gift. I can kind of see things in people they can't see in themselves. I'm sure I've probably done this to you in an annoying way before. And, uh, you know, it's kind of positive if I'm coaching people, but it's not so positive if people don't need the coaching. So, you know, my problem is I like what I do too much. So, like I'm going on an airplane for eight hours. Some poor guy sits next to me and he makes a terrible mistake. He says, what do you do for a living? <laughs> eight hours later, the poor guy's ready to kill himself. Well, you know, it's great is the need of the student to learn. Far greater is the need of the teacher to teach. So uh, one of my biggest problems is not that I don't like what I do. I actually like what I do too much. Well, I don't know. So many folks are listening thinking, oh, if I could just find one thing that I love to do, <laughs> I'd be super happy. <laughs> Marshall, this is just like you're the only person that I know I think actually can say I feel overappreciated. This is, you're one of the rare people who, who, who might have this issue. So... By the way, our friend Chester, remember that he did that study. How many people in the room feel overappreciated? He's done it with a thousand people. He said, I'm the only person that ever raised his hand. <laughs> you are. I tell, I can't tell you how many people because I did the appreciation video and I'm like saying this applies to everyone except Marshall. <laughs> look, 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 I mean, I, I have a degree in math and I'm not unrealistic. Let me give you an, an example. On Amazon.com, I think they have 30 million titles. 30 million. Do you know how many books you have to sell to be in the top half in a year? I think the answer is two. Half the books sold zero to one copies last year. Now, I'm not so arrogant that I believe all my books are better than 15 million books. I'm sure many of those books are far better than anything I ever wrote or would ever dream of writing. Just, you know, nobody read them. So, you know, I mean, look at how many awards. I mean, do I actually believe I'm the greatest coach that ever lived and that, you know, I'm the greatest thinker that ever lived? No, not at all. The only thing about me that doesn't bother me, that just shows I'm good at marketing. (laughs) I hope folks are acknowledging the humility that goes uh, along with the territory that you're in. So back to your uh, poor guy sitting in the airplane (laughs) listening to you. I guess I only have two thoughts. And one is, if you know you have this tendency, you can offer it as a gift, which is to say, you know, I have this superpower and I love to help people, but I don't want to be unwelcome. Would you love, would you like to hear anything? And if they are piqued, they'll, and if they're smart, (laughs) they'll ask. And if not, you gave them the choice and you can rest in conscience that you didn't, you, you, you didn't do a good deed, but you, you weren't asked to do it. So that's okay. How's there that been for you? That sounds good to me. Fantastic. So, Marshall, I want to just share a few things that I heard from you. Um, the biggest one about feedback for our listeners is think of it as a gift. All you do is say thank you and um, only do as I do if it works for you. 
And I think that's just a great way to own it, uh, but also to be in service to um, others as you have done so well. Um, I really cannot overthank you uh, for the many gifts, the kind support, um, the directness that you've offered me, and uh, and I'm a better person for it, Marshall. And so I'm eternally grateful to you for it. Um, if I can ever return that favor or back in even a small way, you know how to reach me. Uh, and I, I'll thank you, Marshall, for being part of the solution. Well, thank you so much. Everyone loves your program. I'm very honored to know you, and my life is better because I've met you. Mine, same way. Love you, Marshall. You take good care. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ah, Marshall just um, sends great energy into the universe. So I um, couldn't be more pleased to welcome my uh, next caller who's calling in all the way from Norway. And Louisa, thank you for joining me on Say It Skillfully. Hey, Molly. Thanks for having me. So I know it's a bit late in your day, so I appreciate you making time. And uh, share with me what's on your mind today. So I am here representing our organization, uh, GeoLatinas, GeoLatinas. So we are um, uh, worldwide, we're establishing ourselves as a worldwide organization that aims to increase Latinas in STEM, specifically Earth Sciences and Planetary Sciences. So we, we address under representation of gender and race in our disciplines, which are, by the way, some of the least diverse fields in STEM. And some that is moving very slowly towards uh, gender and uh, race representation. And so we have several challenges. Uh, of course, uh, uh, we as women, as Latinas, we care a lot about these issues. But we realize people outside this um, field, they don't care as much because they don't see it as urgent as it is for us. Um, uh, so the reason that we thought it was very useful to call you and see what you think is that I want to have a conversation with a member of a scientific community who express very troubling views regarding gender equality. They feel, they feel threatened by these movements. And so the reason why they feel threatened is that they feel is, is, uh, um, they are going to lose uh, uh, things by being, uh, by the push that is, is, is doing about uh, gender representation and minorities re- representation. So um, the thing that was very difficult for me to address is that as scientists, we, we, we tend to be quite doubtful of our uh, thing because we need to be open to, to, to uh, rectify our measurements. So what he says is... Um, the statistics can be flawed regarding gender representation, and they accuse uh, these movements of being group things instead of scientific consensus because now we're moving in the right direction. We are thinking that uh, many people are thinking that women in the past have not been recognized as they should be. But there is this backlash, and I would really like to approach this person and talk to him about these issues in a non-confrontational way. Fantastic. Thank you, Luisa, for bringing that up. Thank you for being in science and leading the way for other women. Let me just recap and make sure I have it because it was a little fuzzy in some parts. So it's an oil and gas field um, and and really Uh, the opportunity. Not necessarily, no. I mean, we are beyond oil and gas. We are really uh, earth 
science and planetary sciences. So we have several members who are in the oil and gas industry, but uh, um, we have actually a very broad range of, of uh, members. Fantastic. Thank you for correcting me. So earth and planetary sciences, very broadly, um, that field. And um, I want to just normalize for you, this is happening all over the place. So this is not just you. So not that I think that you think there's anything wrong with you, but for all the listeners, you know, this is a topic that um, helps us grow. Um, and when we grow, it's not always easy for folks. So please don't be too hard on yourself, Louisa, for approaching. And there is no necessarily perfect or scientific way to go about it. It is about being um, aware uh, and emotionally intelligent about what other people's experience is. So my experience has been data doesn't drive behavior change. And I say that if you think about exercising more, eating right, sleeping more, I mean, there's lots of data that's out there that should, if you will, fuel change. Um, and, and my experience is that isn't the most effective way, right? It's a good thing to have. You don't want to be going bucking against the data, I wouldn't be in the case because you are tending to be very scientific and data-based in your field. I might let that go. And I think <laughs> the ability to connect with someone um, is the first and foremost thing. And you heard Marshall mention Harry Kramer. You know, if I can relate to someone, Carrie would say, maybe I could influence them and only then do I have a chance to lead them. And so I might consider this personal connection you have with this individual and how you reset um, and, and I do think it's, it's always fair for, and for all our listeners, I've always said, you, know, you can share your experience of something and regardless of the numbers, right. To be able to say, you know, I want to hear you and what's it like for you, um, whatever, whatever the diversity mix happens to be. And then to be able to share what it's like for you, you know, and I did grow up in a world where it would be, you know, one woman in 10 or 15 men working, you know, in a lab or what have you. And so I got used to it. I could handle it. It was, there was no problem for me per se. However, I think helping people appreciate, and I've heard men say when they were in a meeting, there was, you know, 14 women and one guy. They're like, wow, I kind of get it now, which is not to make it right yeah. or wrong, right? So it's not about you need to see me or you need to think that my way is right, nor do you need to see that vice versa. But the ability to appreciate hey, we have very different experiences of this. Okay, so that's a very personal take. It doesn't necessarily talk about data and where we're going and you know what's right and what's wrong, but I would really encourage a personal approach. And then following that is saying, here we are in this organization and we want to have everyone who would want to join this organization feel welcome, want to contribute, and to make this whole thing better. Wouldn't that be great? It's like what we're all about is not really any one individual. Yes, we want to honor the individuals. At the same time, we really want this whole thing to flourish and be part of that. And so that's part of this alignment of what's our common cause. So I'm being, a, you know, I'm not trying to be obtuse and not get into the facts, but I think if you can start to just anchor and I see you and I appreciate your point of view and I would just ask if you could listen and honor mine, and, and let's see what information is there for each of us to learn. If you can create that solid foundation first, Louisa, then potentially you've created an opening for them to hear you in the way you want to be heard. Let me pause now. How's that landing for you? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, um, 
it's a good approach. So if I'm following correctly, find some common ground, uh, establish some report, and then try to discuss the most uh, difficult issues if there's a chance for it. Yeah, and, and I think you want to meet them where they are. And, it, and I can appreciate it might be disappointing. How can you not get it? Look at the data, right? So I'm, again, I'm not projecting these on you, but for folks listening, you have your experience and it's very valid. Your opportunity is to say, okay, is that really helping me in connecting with this person? Is it about me or is it about that other person? And, I, and this is a hard thing. It was a hard thing because I know mm-hmm. I can appreciate that you feel like you're standing for, you know, greater diversity, uh, for gender um, equity, that sort of thing. So it's big. They're big stakes. Uh, I just offer don't make it too hard for yourself. Um, any step forward is a really positive step. And sometimes those first steps are small, but they're very powerful. So um, yeah. I kind of want to ask you, if you think about going into the conversation right now, what are you thinking? How might you go about it? I want to just give you a chance to think it through. And if you have any follow-on questions, you can ask. Mm, I'll let this sink in a bit and try to, 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 to go a little by little. But, um, but yes, so... Of course, uh, these are not easy topics, and many people feel um, uneasy about them. So it's not only us, but uh, everyone kind of feels this type of uneasiness. So that is a common, common feeling. Yeah, that's a great takeaway, is that empathy for people. Um, Everybody might have some discomfort, could feel threatened. Um, and Lucy, you know how to reach me uh, on LinkedIn. So I'll, I'm cheering for you, you know. And uh, most of all, I appreciate your calling in and, and being open about your question and being part of the solution. No, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, we'll stay in touch. Take good care. Okay, we are excited now to introduce Chris from the Houston area. Chris, thank you for joining me on the show today. Hi, Molly. Thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate your time for clearing this spot up for us to uh, voice out our challenges that we're currently dealing with. Well, let's hear it. Okay, so right now I am serving on one of the many committee boards for SPE, Society of Petroleum Engineers. One of them is our members in transition committee where we plan a hiring event and we have a exceptional peer she is a leader in oil and gas and the thing is when our team members the co-chairs of the committee communicate with her because I've gone through different routes to try to understand her perspective and to see where she comes from just to understand maybe how she responds a certain way in certain emails or phone calls. And it's just, we feel frustrated that we don't feel as though we're effectively communicating with her. Uh, I've tried through different routes of 
different committee peers to reach out to her on certain challenges that were approaching. I've gone through uh, my other peers on the same committee for our hiring event slash members in transition in trying to effectively communicate with her because there's just been so many times of disconnect. I would like to know how you would suggest on different routes and getting our voice out and getting yeah. her to, um, by effectively communicating. I got it. Uh, and I can hear the frustration and I can hear you're very diligent and patiently trying to try all sorts of different ways to go at it. So kudos for trying something new. That's good, Chris. Can you help me with a little bit? Is this the person who's the chair of the committee per se? What's the person's role? And let's just call this person Kim. Uh, okay, we can call her Kim. So uh, Kim, she is um, a past chair for the committee. She actually was the one who started this committee and won a SPE nomination award for um, her service in the oil and gas industry. An industry that is uh, pretty macho in its culture. And so just from hearing from other peers and where Kim might be coming from, her leadership style has to mimic and was forced onto her by the male culture that she grew up in, in her career and how she built her career. And so perhaps maybe that's where some of the disconnect might be coming from is just having this leadership style that's, that's been just forced onto you. And so yeah. we're trying to see if maybe there's a different approach we can take to yeah. actually communicate with her. Thank you for sharing that. And I just, for our listeners' sake, I do want to call out because I think what you've identified is something that does happen a lot. And I'm not making any judgment on it. Uh, for women, they've seen a certain style of how they think that's how people get promoted and they lead. And so I need to be like that. Um, and then they do get promoted and they're very senior and all of a sudden and they're in the limelight. And it can, it's not easy to necessarily appreciate that, wow, that actually isn't my most authentic style. Like if I had a choice, I wish it wouldn't lead that way. But I've been watching this for decades. And so now I have, I am leading this way and I've seen this firsthand and I'm not making it wrong or bad. It just does happen where mm -hmm. it would take, it's a bit of an epiphany for someone to be able to step back and say, wow, you know, like you could actually lead in a different way. You're there now, by the way, you're the one woman and there's like, you know, nine other men. So you're pretty solid there unless you really screw up. So you have some range to help people see. And I do think for a lot of folks in the ranks, they're looking for more variety, if you will, or range in how people lead. And when they only see a certain kind of style or a certain look, I'll call it, and this is the optics, it really doesn't send the message that we really are open and welcoming to other styles. I know those organizations very often are. It's just hard sometimes to combat the optics. So I do want to reinforce that that matters. It really does uh, have a, a role in how hopeful people are that there's a future for them somewhere. Um, so I guess I would call out first and foremost, and I feel that already for you, Chris, is compassion for Kim, right? So for compassion for Kim in the sense that they're – can't imagine that they want to communicate poorly or what have you. Um, 
I, you know, I, I don't know to what extent you have direct access, but it sounds to me that you need to, to just get to some understanding of are we, are we communicating well or are we not communicating well? For all we know, Kim thinks it's fantastic. <laughs> okay, She thinks there's no problem at all. You may think, oh my God, this is a one out of 10. She thinks it's a nine out of 10. Uh, so I don't know to what extent you have the opportunity to request some face-to-face you know, Zoom time and mm-hmm. have a dialogue. Is that an option for you at all, Chris? Honestly, it can be, uh, given now that COVID-19 has shifted our work style to be more remote and have uh, remote work uh, opportunities. It's Great. Just, I know Great. that with uh, her given role as um, a VP of her firm, her engineering firm, she might not have as much time and the immense amount of time needed to emotionally connect, which I am not quite sure if we can get to that level. Uh, what would you suggest in trying to make that channel of communication more open? Because I know um, in the past I've just asked for feedback from other peers on the committee and how communication is with Kim. And we would ask questions, and when we have explanations, they never get fully addressed or just completely not addressed. And I would like to learn how I can be part of the solution, because perhaps I'm part of the problem myself, or my peers are, and not having that level of emotional connection that you mentioned, Molly. Yep. Yep. And and I think we have to be open to the fact that other folks may not want or maybe not be that comfortable. So it's we're not necessarily going to get to nirvana, Chris. I do think a heartful written communication, short and sweet, and I'm happy to work with you on this, that just says, hey, here's the situation. Gosh, we're so excited about this opportunity to work as a group. We're very mindful of um, the fact that you started this and how far it's come. And we just want to amp it up in the best way we can. You know, and, and if you're writing from yourself or on behalf of a small group, you know, one of the things that we're experiencing, and, and again, to really acknowledge the person and not put the person on defense at all, you know, and this, we're not saying this is what anyone wants, um, but we're feeling just a sense of wanting a little bit more, wanting to have more engagement and we're not sure we're really understanding each other as well as we would like. Um, and, and to request, you know, we'd love to just have a conversation and, and here's what it would be like. Here's what we'd like to get out of it. So being specific. Um, and would you be so kind and to be open with us and share a little bit? You know, you're a senior person. We'd like to learn from you because of how you've risen as well. I mean, there's many ways to just help the person realize this is not an attack. We're trying to learn from you. We just want to be able to be better for you. Um, and would you be willing to entertain that? Um, and again, Chris, you can put this out in the most heartful, open way, and that's all you can do. We can't make the person right be open to it, but you could, mm-hmm. you know, wording to send if you were in our shoes, you know, I think you might appreciate having a more senior person spend a bit of time with you. I know that obviously you've gotten where you are because people have helped you. And, and sometimes it's hard for people to say, you know what, that's so right. 
I, I, this is one of the most important things I could be doing is to bring up folks who are more junior than I am up along, you know, the path here. So I'll pause a bit. How's that land for you? Honestly, I think that'd be a fantastic idea. I can reach out to our current chair of the committee as well as our uh, two co-chairs that help lead our uh, hiring event planning committee and seeing how we can all grow together. That's great. This also serves, quite frankly, Chris, to get everyone. Yeah, it serves to get all of you, by the way, really in alignment. When when and I used to integrate companies, right? We talk a lot about synergy, but when you wrote the press release, is when you realized, are we really on the same page? So there's a lot of value here in just getting it out in words for folks. Like, what are we experiencing? What 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 is the issue? What do we want to have happen? And I would, you know, encourage you to think about, we send this note, what would we like to have happen? And not that we're trying to solve world hunger here. We're just trying to take the next positive step and build our relationship with each other and with this person. So make it realistic for yourselves. Um, and, and just getting yourselves with greater clarity, I think, for the group is very unifying. And then you have a chance to partner uh, in a better way with the, the more senior person. Okay. So, uh, well, your uh, suggestion, Molly. Will you, do you want to ca- uh, encapsulate your top takeaway from our little chat here? I always curious the top things people are taking away. I would say our main takeaway is to first, before speaking out, to understand where the person is coming from. Because I personally um, have asked other peers on where our disconnect with um, one of our team members might be coming from before we try to voice our own opinion. And also to use your meta skills of curiosity and positivity to make sure that we build upon each other, not call anyone out, not to point fingers, but just to grow as a team and grow as people. That's a winning combo, Chris. I love to hear that. You know how to reach me, and I'm cheering for you. Um, so keep me in the loop, and if I can be of help, you let me know. So I, I think, appreciate your calling in and, uh, and always for being part of the solution. Okay. Thank you, Molly. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Take good care. Okay. Our last caller today, uh, Mark, calling in from the West Coast. Mark, thank you for joining me on Say It Skillfully. Hi, Molly. Thank you for having me. It's, I'm, I'm excited to be here. You're always thoughtful, present, empathetic, intentional. Uh, I love the show, and uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you. <laughs> you are too kind, and we can just end right now. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> so we went back and forth uh, on LinkedIn a bit. I've, I've been grateful for your uh, engagement and all of it. What's on your mind today, Mark? Well, we reconnected over a post you had you had put on LinkedIn about um, staying positive, about being the light for others. You mentioned that it's a vital skill when, when things are good and when things are bad. And we have COVID going on right now. We have interpersonal challenges always. We have a need to influence others when we don't have authority and control. And all of those things, I just, I loved your post. Um, it led me to think a little bit more about the, the ways in which I can be intentional about communicating with others. And also, um, it helped me think a little bit about, uh, about the people on my teams that I love. 
that I appreciate and value. And when I see the skill, I, I mentioned to you that I, uh, I will hire on behalf of people who can be mood engineers, people who uh, think about how their language, how their actions are affecting other folks, and, um, and take steps, be intentional about, about engineering those actions in a way that helps the outcome but also helps on the journey. And uh, I think you like that comment. <laughs> so invited me to come chat with you. Yeah, I loved, thank you for bringing that up, the mood engineer. I just thought, I, I don't know if I feel like we need to do something with that, codify it, because that, uh, when folks have heard me, heard Chris mention the meta skills, like the energy with which we show up. And that is my number one, two, and three takeaway for people in their in their communications and in their relationships, it's being aware of the fact that that's a very powerful uh, communication before you even open your mouth. And people are like, what? I'm like, yeah, you're, you're showing up, right? Like I can feel it. You're showing up with energy. You're smiling. You're there. And um, it's, it, it's a real game changer. <laughs> Absolutely. The, we, we've heard lots of people say things like, you know, they won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And, um, I, I, I worked at Cisco for six and a half years. I've trained thousands of people in, in how to rate more effectively, drive better results, and how to sound like the business. That It was a brand activity, so we were trying to shift perceptions about the company from a little bit cold and care, uncaring or out of date to a, a much more present, uh, emotionally sort of responsive business. It was, a, it was a real shift from an A to B, very, very technical engineering conversations, which, of course, are incredibly important, um, to uh, conversations that invited people in and embraced them and, and gave them the technical information they needed very efficiently and effectively, well-organized, well-structured, good writing, all of those sorts of things. But we also talked a lot about, uh, about emotion in our writing because we knew that the emotion could drive uh, the audience's actions. And so we had a little brief that we used, which was, um, what do we need them to know? And that was really the one big idea that we wanted people to, to walk away with but then how do we want them to feel? And, and this piece was much harder for, for engineers, for technologists in general. But it's, it's difficult for all people to think about when it comes to business writing or business communicating. We think we have to dress things up in, um, in sort of the serious clothes of the day or something. You know, what, it, what, what does this sound like at work? And usually the effect of that is that there's no emotion in it. There's no uh, personality or character. And it becomes cold and unappealing. And so it doesn't drive the next thing, which is what do you need them to do? And of course, all good business communication is trying to drive action. And so connecting all three of those things, the big idea that we need them to know, the, the feeling that we want to convey, and the action that we need them to take uh, creates very powerful um, outcomes. And, and when we think about this in our day-to-day -day communications, it's, it's very similar if I'm talking with a, a peer or if I'm talking with a direct report or if I'm talking with a, a person just in passing. How can I influence their out, their day, their outcomes, their um, effectiveness? And I can lift them up in little ways. I, I think about this and think, well, the emotion I want here is this, is X, Y, or Z. And I, I try to keep that really grounded in, in true emotions, happiness, excitement, different things. Um, that's unnatural for a lot of business communicators. But if, if you do this brief up front... Um, you start to see the results. You can actually test your writing. You can see how it feels very different if you give a piece of writing to someone and they say, uh, and you say, how does that make you feel? And they say, I don't know. You know, that's probably pretty typical. I don't, I don't know what this business writing feels like. Well, that's what a lot of people's days at work feels like too. 
And so as we practice this in writing, what I found is that it becomes very easy to do in conversation as well. I, I'd like to leave Molly feeling happy that she talked with me. <laughs> I'd like to leave her feeling excited about our conversation and the value that I offered her. Um, that sort of thing, if we have that kind of um, exercise running in the back of our minds, we find the muscles for doing those things get stronger, becomes much more natural over time. And uh, and our teams, our entire teams, not just the individuals or ourselves, start to experience more and more success. Um, there's another aspect about this, which is a little bit of pop psychology around things called mirror neurons, which is that we kind of respond emotionally to the emotions that are presented to us. We, we get this a lot in fight or flight, where if somebody's angry or something, we'd rapidly accelerate to being angry as well. But similar things, if we, if we feel that uh, the person is speaking to us with love or joy or care, we start to calm ourselves and we think about those things and we feel those emotions and we respond in similar ways. And so this is, this is what I mean by mood engineering. It's an active, intentional um, approach to communicating that helps everybody get to the same place, helps everybody move to better outcomes, and, and also makes it more fun and, and just uh, more enjoyable to work together. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it's bringing the humanity to the workplace. Uh, wow. That's, I hope everyone got that. Those are real gems. So that notion of your big idea, how do we want people to feel uh, what do we then want them to do? And thank you for reminding me we had all that shared Cisco time together. That was fabulous. Um, yeah. So this sounds fantastic, you know, conceptually. So especially in a, an engineering tech-based kind of place, you might have a lot of people who, for whom they just haven't really practiced their emotions. It doesn't really show up for them as a thing they value. So talk to us about the heavy lifting to get people to to go with you on that when they may not be. I mean, obviously everyone's, sure. there's a people, I mean, emotions are our human experience, but a lot of folks in the technical field, I think tend to pat that down a little bit. They, they squash that in themselves. So, I mean, the reality check, cause I think there may be people listening thinking, yeah, this sounds great, but, but the rest of my team, they're but not going to really like buy into this. Exactly. So talk yeah. to us about that. Yeah. So th there's a couple pieces here and some are very, small anecdotal experiences, personal experiences that I've had with this. And others, are the, maybe I'll start with, with a broader sort of data-driven kind of a demonstration of the power of this. At, at Cisco, we had, a remarkable, we had a remarkable sandbox. We could experiment on a scale that, that most companies um, can't. And, and part of the reason for that is that when you're a $50 billion business, small changes in the business can yield incredible results. And so we would test frequently. We had the resources to, to look into effectiveness and whether we were doing that in digital tools or if we were doing it in larger research projects. We could sort of see, did this, was this more effective or was that more effective? Uh, did we get the outcome we were hoping for here or did something else happen? And so we would take this feedback all the time, which, you know, we heard earlier is a gift, and it is. It's an incredible gift. And we'd use it to improve, and we would and use it to, to get those better results. And um, what we saw is that when we attach this sort of emotional intention along with those business priorities, we would, in fact, drive pretty incredible results. In digital experiences, we'd see engagement scores jumping up 500, 5,000% even in some cases. Now, to get 5,000% results, you had to be doing pretty poorly to begin with. 
which was true in some cases. And this is not an indictment of anyone at Cisco, but in some cases we were doing very typical sorts of um, communication or, or marketing or um, various comms and, uh, and not getting the results that we needed. Now, again, there's thousands of people getting fantastic results there. So I don't want to, I don't want to um, indict anyone in, in that conversation. But when we started applying these kinds of practices, we would see those huge jumps and we could see it across a lot of different kinds of business activities. And so we had good data for it, which is, is really helpful, especially when having conversations with engineering or technologists or executives who are concerned, like, how is this going to scale? How is this going to, et cetera, et cetera. From a personal perspective, I can say that I've been in very difficult conversations. Of course, we all have over the courses of our careers where, um, a lot's at stake, and when a lot is at stake, we can we can uh, um, there can be a lot of anxiety, and fear is seldom helpful. A little bit of stress might keep us on the edge and might get, help us perform better in the moment, but too much becomes destructive. I remember an instance where uh, an executive was really angry because we weren't getting the results that we wanted, and he was confounded by the situation, and he decided, almost seeming to me, at randomly to take it out on me in a, in a large conversation. And I thought, oh my gosh. How am I going to respond? I could, I could light up and, and come back at him with the energy that he's coming at me with, or I could turn this around and I could think, um, you know, okay, tell me more about that. <laughs> How can I help? And started being inten- intentional and deliberate and, as you said, human in this, in this kind of approach. How, and there's, a, there's actually a Jedi mind trick here, too, which um, this is going to sound corny to a lot of folks, but sometimes before I get on a call where I know it's going to be a difficult conversation, I'll think, I'm not talking to X, Y, or Z person who can be difficult. I'll think, I'm talking to my mother, my wife, my son, someone I love dearly, (laughs) so that I can open up my heart and warm up to the person. And then I try to use that trick all the way through the conversation so so that I can take in anything, any anger that they've got or any difficult issues or address the hard things really clearly and directly and honestly and openly so that we can get to the point where we're working together. Because when that happens, we can be much more effective. That is genius. I love that. What a great technique for folks. I'm just going to take that and say that's my top takeaway. It does remind me, my mom is a nurse, and once she was talking about uh, dealing with another family member, and she said to herself, you know what, I'm just, I, I thought of this person as a patient. And it brought out the absolute bestest, you know, part of her. So, Mark, you've been um, fabulous. So thank you for joining and sharing all that. I know when we post, you can share some of the the links and stuff because I'd love people to have some of those frameworks that you talked about. Um, You know how to reach me. We'd love to have you back on the show at any time. Um, And I thank you for being part of the solution. Thank you so much, Molly. Bye. Take care. So um, my thought for the week is around this opportunity to show your commitment for leaders. Be committed to the people you have the privilege to lead and to serve and make sure they know it. I think you know you're committed. Um, The opportunity is to make sure that they know it. And a companion to that for all of those folks throughout any organization is committing to the job, committing to care, uh, committing to do whatever you can right? So that your leaders know that uh, you're in it with them too. 
And I guess most of all, it's really about being committed to each other. That's how we're better together. It's how we emerge stronger from any challenging time. And I thank you for tuning in. That's a wrap. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 